This is a Ward Scott Files advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile houseplants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Good morning, good morning. Professor Ward Scott here, the Warthog Man Cave here in the Piney Woods of North Central Florida in the Melon Law Studio. Well, full legal service with 50 years of experience and a law, only official law firm partner of the University of Florida. And of course, protected 24-7, 365 by crime prevention. Check them out at cpss.net. Check out the mugshots and always patronize our sponsors. They're great people, courageous people, really. We're going to get into that discussion a little bit today with our Wednesday co-host who's just returning from Vietnam, whom we're going to chat with for quite a while. He's actually in Charlotte at an airport. This man is a trooper. He shows up when he says he's going to show up. It's one of the great, great qualities of him. And I've realized he's got, it makes him what he is. But uh, I want to just give you a, uh, an announcement here. Uh, and I'll repeat this over the days that we've got coming, but um, we have got uh, been censored to the end of the year by uh, YouTube. They have taken us down. Uh, you will not be able to see any of the live shows on YouTube. Uh, they are not going to carry them. They're not going to stream them. The shows that are already uh, in the books, they'll keep except the ones that they have gone back over time and found to be objectable because they violate their community standards. And basically their community standards are anything that has a debate about a controversial election, i.e. Trump. They don't want even an exchange of opinions. Uh, They don't even want this to be a part of the narrative. And to the extent that these big tech platforms can do it, they're going to do it. They're going to shut down people like me. And I am the last thing that's all about propaganda. I'm the last thing it's all about stirring up the masses. I'm about stirring up voters, but I'm not about stirring up trouble necessarily. I'm depicted, though, according to these algorithms, I guess, standards, and there's nobody to whom you can appeal. Uh, you get an automated response. You get a kind of a, a indifference and arrogance that uh, we run the show. And so what we've done is what I have been wanting to do for a long time. We've gone over to Rumble, which is much more tolerant. So if you are not going to be able to watch the show on Facebook, which you can still do if you're a Facebook member and you want to go watch us on Rumble live or any of the shows that we're going to be archiving. We're going to put all of our shows over there in their library, if you will. They'll all be available. All you need to do is go to rumble.com and in the search box, put in the Ward Scott files and we'll be right there. The other thing we would really encourage you to do is to put the app on your phone and subscribe to the show. And that helps us pop up earlier in the search. Now we're just there, we've been there sort of piecemeal for quite a while. Whenever they would censor a show in the past, they would also take it off and make it unavailable for our website. We couldn't have that. So we did post a few shows there. We have had for some time a Rumble account, but we just haven't used it. Now we're going to be using it constantly. We're not going back to YouTube. I am. I am. Uh, I don't want to get, deal with them anymore. Uh, they're arbitrary, capricious. Everything we complain that the Department of Justice system in this world shouldn't be. They've taken upon themselves to be both prosecutor, uh, judge, jury, the whole bit, and it's their way or the highway. Now, of course, we are exploring trying to spread the voice as far and as wide as we can over platforms like Parler, with which we are trying to establish a relationship with our great guest, Ted Yoho. Uh, These uh, platforms like Parler, they need to maybe jump in here now and take advantage of a frustration 
that is building among our listeners, our viewers, about the censorship that's going on on the YouTube worlds and the Google worlds and things like this. So we're going to be making overtures to these people, offering our shows to them and see if they understand and want to climb on because it's all about informing you, the public, about what's going on in this nation. And if we can't inform you and give you all points of view uh, because it violates a narrative, that's the only one accepted. My wife even pointed out to me something interesting that is in more and more of the articles that you read. Here is a, an article written by Associated Press writer Lisa Mascaro, and the article is about voters in Pennsylvania who are still uh, supporters of Trump. But when she writes about this, she puts in a disclaimer. I want to read the disclaimer. Um, uh, the uh, Trump-Pence sign still hangs on the older building off Main Street in this historic town, a lasting vestige of the campaign further, fervor that roused voters, here we go, including many who still believe the falsehood that the former president didn't lose. Now, that disclaimer, if you'll pay attention to public narratives now and public media is being used by both the printed press and the digital press, because after all, the printed press becomes the digital press and it's subject to the censorship by the digital platforms. So keep your eyes open. This is the way they're covering their tracks. Well, they're going back and getting shows that I did in 2021 um, going forward. You know what I've done. I call it election beep because I don't want that word to appear on their algorithms. So that is one example. Here's another paragraph in this AP writers thing that just comes out and says Trump's claims of beep have no basis in fact. And uh, this is what you're going to be seeing. And our guest today, Ted Yoho, is a veteran of D.C., knows that world very well and understands the dynamics that we're heading into now with this election coming up. You know, there's an awful battle going on now. We're going to take a look at Georgia, for example, and the smears that are going back and forth between Warnock and Walker. These are all designed tactics to distract the voters and to create emotional blindness, if you will, to what should be a rational uh, decision, and that is voting. So I wanted to call your attention to this. I will continue to alert you throughout perhaps later in this show and every show for a few days hereafter that you may find us permanently on rumble.com and we are waving goodbye to you too. So welcome. We've got Ted Yoho in the airport on his phone at Charlotte and he is on his way to a, a great uh, talk and he's been returning just now from Vietnam. So Ted, where do you want to take up? No, I appreciate you having me on and allowing me to, to talk. Uh, yeah, I'm traveling around collecting uh, mileage points. Um, but what you brought up is so important. You know, I, I feel very sincere that you believe what you're doing is getting a message out, the truth. And it has an opinion attached to it. But you're speaking truth as you know it. When we get to a point where corporations can start censoring us and removing that side of a debate, you don't have a debate. You have indoctrination of somebody's opinion that they want to espouse. And the American people get robbed of that. And if and if they continue down this path, are we any different than uh, communist China, uh, where Xi Jinping just locks dissenters up or in Cuba? Or we could be in, in, in Russia in a few years, where if you're a dissenter, and if you look at recently in Russia, there, there were nine executives that have all mysteriously died. Some fell out of hospital windows and fell to their death. You know, and it's, are we getting to that point if we can't have open and honest debate? And if we get to that point, it's going to be a scary day in America. And I believe the American people, we the people, won't allow that to happen. And that's why it's so important that your listeners get on there and and demand to see your program on whatever platform you wind up. As you mentioned, I am going up to Lynchburg. I'm speaking at a, a conference up there with Dave Bratt, uh, former congressman, and uh, George Farmer, who is one of the founders of Parlor, is going to be there. And we're kicking off our uh, uh, Parlor social media 
podcast up there, and it's going to be called God, Country, Family with Ted Yoho. And so we're excited about that, and uh, I don't believe we're going to get canceled. Well, I sure like hearing that, and I'm all for you. And, of course, I uh, want to do everything I can to support your endeavors because we're a team. We have we to start uh, We have to start seeing ourselves. It's not about us. You know, it's really about uh, making uh, information and, and controversial. Some of I, I suspect almost all of it will be controversial um, in an open and honest way uh, for people to share and uh, participate in and make their own minds up about. That's well, really you know, it's interesting. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. We're going we're gonna to interview Michelle Bachman. And Michelle Bachman grew up in the same town I was born in Minnesota. And she came to Congress, I think, two terms before me. She was right before the 2010 Tea Party wave. But she formed the Tea Party Caucus, uh, which I was a member. And it was a very strong caucus at the time. And then when she ran for president, um, she did an interview where she inferred that People in politics and President Obama had an anti-American slant, and she apologized for that later. But if you look at what's going on in this country today with Joe Biden coming out in his Philadelphia speech saying that if you're a MAGA supporter or, uh, um, you know, you, 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 you support Donald Trump, you're anti-American and you're not a patriot. I mean, that's that's kind of bizarre. And that's pretty strong language coming from the tolerant left and the guy that was going to unite America as, as Obama was going to unite America. And, uh, you know, these are scary times for, you know, our republic. Well, I know that um, you'll have a great time there and it'll be a very important meeting. And uh, you obviously have prepared for it. And uh, you've got a um, uh, um, kind of an approach in mind and I'm all for it. Uh, Mike, double back here with you a little bit and let uh, people know where you've been. Fascinating experience. I got asked about it yesterday. What can you share with us about that? Uh, it was a it was a great trip. Um, you know, I got to go with my wife, Carolyn, and my daughter, Katie. She's our oldest. And we started off in Hanoi. And the first day there, Friday, I met with um, the former ambassador to the United States uh, up in D.C. and then his successor, uh, I met with both of them, and then that night we met with our ambassador, Mark Knapper, and we had a dinner over at, the, at his residence, and we talked policy, things like that, you know, the relationship between our two countries, their economy, you know, and where we're going. And of course, China was a big uh, conversation, and the war with Russia and Ukraine. And then the following Monday, um, their um, vice chairman of the foreign ministry department of the General Assembly heard I was in town, so he invited me over to the General Assembly, which is just a, one of the prettiest state-run legislative bodies as far as a building. Um, uh, and we had a lunch, and we talked again about those things we just mentioned. And, you know, you can't forget they're a communist country. And I was sharing this with another ambassador I talked to yesterday of a different country, and he goes, he goes, don't get yourself. He goes, they're a free enterprise, strong economic society. Yes, they have a communist country, but they like the money. And, uh, you know, we're seeing more freedoms come in there by just talking to the local people. One of the things I sent you a, a video, and I guess you didn't get it. I'll try to get it to you over at the break. Uh, we went to a grocery store and it was in Dalat, a little town. It's kind of a resort town. And they had a grocery store that was as well stocked is any grocery store I've ever seen in America. And it just so happened I walked by the baby formula side and it was full from the floor to the roof with Similac. Shelves were <laughs> full of baby formula. And I'm thinking, this is funny. This is a communist country that has baby formula. We're in a constitutional republic with free enterprise system and we don't have formula. There's something wrong here. <laughs> I just thought it was a strange dichotomy, you know, to con contrast the two uh, types of government. And they seemed like they had more than we did. Well, you know, it's uh, does everyone uh, good to get out of their own bubble, if you will. And I think that's one of the things that ails this country. So few people who have opinions about how the world runs have seen the world. <laughs> 
I'd like to see my former colleague from New York that thinks $10 a gallon gasoline is good. I'd like to see her travel around uh, rural Alachua County and just life in, or even rural New York. <laughs> yeah, Edgar Lee Masters had a collection of poetry called uh, Spoon River Anthology, which was about uh, everybody basically living in a tub and seeing everything from the vantage point of inside that tub. Right. And it was a pretty good concept. I've always remembered it all these years. And, and New York is a good example. Uh, it, it, it amuses me, and yet it doesn't, to think that the uh, Senate Majority Leader is from Brooklyn. And uh, God knows, I mean, Brooklyn ain't the world, but people from Brooklyn think it is. <laughs> well, you know, they get they get into that bubble and they think that's the world where they live, D.C. and Brooklyn. It's not the, the majority of America. You know, I mean, you see all the problems going on up there. You know, I, I heard today on the way to the airport of two ladies dressed in green leotards and they're robbing people on the subway and in the streets and they couldn't catch them because, you know, they advocate defunding the police. And then when they do catch somebody, they turn them loose. Uh, it's just it's lunacy is what it is. And the, uh, the asylums being run by the patients. Well, you know, uh, we have got a couple of interesting twists to this, too, in terms of uh, the narrative. Everybody that we have been talking about in the tech platforms, you know, has its uh, foot on the choke of the carburetor, if you will. And they don't want to write about Stacey Abrams doing the very same thing in Georgia. Right. Complaining about the big lie, you know, that she did win, but she really didn't. And uh, she argues. Uh, <laughs> I think she lost it. I mean, from yeah. what I can tell, she lost that battle. She did. And, you know, the media just it'll be a, a news blip and it goes away instead of saying, you know, why was our side treated so fair or poorly and her side that was demanding there was fraud and all that in her state. Uh, sorry, the, a bleep in her state. Um, <laughs> it's funny. We got it. And they don't, they don't attack that. And, and I got I got to share this before I forget it. I'm on the plane and you know, there's no longer a mask mandate, but they said the, the, the PA over the announcement says, if people have masks on, please accept, or please, uh, um, be respectful of their decision to wear a mask. And I'm like, isn't that funny? You know, if I didn't want to wear a mask, it wasn't please respect his right not to wear a right. mask. It wasn't the other way around. Now we've got to be tolerant somebody wants to wear a mask. I don't care if you wear a mask. You know, I'm not wearing one. We had an excellent discussion yesterday with a, a guest, Dr. Chad Savage, who is in Michigan. And he is, we talked about what COVID has cost the country, not in terms of the actual virus, but how it's become a cover for all this spending of money. And you have these, talking about double standards, you have Biden proclaiming it's over, yet the government pouring the money out there as if it weren't. And what it's done is had all these consequences that are very difficult to undo. It kind of killed the work ethic. Uh, we've certainly killed off a couple of years of education for kids in their formative preschool years that they'll never get back. In a lot of states, not Florida, because of DeSantis, uh, they've killed the economy. So we went through a pretty good analysis of that yesterday's show. Um, and one interesting thing, and I'll pass along to you, that Dr. Savage said, he has a colleague who's a physician in Fort Myer area. And the, uh, the colleague put out on Facebook advice to his patients about how to prepare for the storm and Facebook took it down as false narrative. Okay. Early. Yes. This man evidently was well enough connected that he got a hold of the governor's office. And the governor's office got a hold of Facebook and said, put that back up. And they did. Wow. So, you know, that's where we are with this stuff. And we really are. And that's it's a dangerous society when people can just kind of pick what they want to put on there and want not to and censure. I mean, that's just not the way to go. And, you know, especially with all the uh, controversy about the vaccine, whether it's good or bad. And, you know, the reports I read is, and, and we witnessed this when I was up in Illinois working with one of the companies I work with doing testing. And um, we were doing naval, nasal testing. 
and um, people were coming in. They had three or four vaccines, and they were still coming down positive. And so I think the the jury is still out on the effectiveness of that vaccine. I personally don't think it was that effective. It's certainly not as effective as natural immunity, which we talked about in February of 20 when it first started this. That's the only way you're going to get over this in a rapid way. And, uh, you know, so for them to take that that post down, I'm glad that you uh, somebody intervened and got uh, Governor DeSantis, who is doing a remarkable job and most likely will be our next president. And uh, I think he's going to do a good job. You know, there's a huge article in Wall Street Journal about him and how he's been out in front. You know, they're trying to, of course, turn this into a negative. He didn't run the storm evacuate all this stuff well enough when the actual facts are he was way out ahead of it he was way uh, he's formed his florida state guard uh, that has participated you know our own sheriff's office here has sent 11 deputies down there uh, the call went out over the florida sheriff's association we need help Lachua county gave 11 and of course not only are the families down there that the deputies are going to uh, help affected, but also the families that the deputies leave behind when they go help the other families. Sure. People don't yeah. talk about that. So when the collective uh, efforts of the sheriffs and Florida Sheriff's Association, the governor, um, on the other hand, you and I know how tricky it is to predict the weather um, and particularly that cone. Now they're complaining that the cone was too wide. Come on. I mean, <laughs> you got to prepare <laughs> for the worst and hope for the best. And you, somebody's going to get hit. I saw that with Rick Scott when uh, we had all those hurricanes when he was governor. And I'm in a meeting up in D.C. And the Democrats, especially the Florida ones like Debbie Washerman Schultz, were just bashing him, bashing him. And I had the opportunity to fly with the Coast Guard from Key West all the way up to Jacksonville. And every place we stopped, Rick Scott was there. What can I do for you? What do you need? This is what we're doing. And, you know, you're not going to please everybody in a situation like that. But if you're putting forth the effort, you know, we should all come together and work, you know, instead of complaining and attacking somebody, Hey, let me throw my hands in here. Where can I help you? Where do you need help? Instead of doing that. And it just makes you sick because these people are in there for political points. And again, you and I have talked about politicians worry about their next election. Statesmen worry about their next generations. And those are the ones that want to do what's right. Those are the ones we need to keep in office. The other ones we need to exercise term limits and throw their rear ends out. Talking with Ted Yoho, who was eight years in Congress and from our area here, who is now waiting on a plane ride out of Charlotte. And where's your destination from here, Ted? Going to Lynchburg. Uh, Dave Brad is putting on a summit, six, uh, 600 CEO summit. Started off at 500, now it's 600. And it's going to be on African development. And, uh, you know, one of the uh, landmark legislations that we were fortunate to be able to usher through with our team, working bipartisanly in the House and the Senate, was the BUILD Act that created the United States International Development Finance Corporation that is a uh, Competitor to China's Belt Road Initiative, and their focus on this summit is Africa. Uh, this time, other you know, next ones will be other parts of the world, and this is probably one of the best diplomacy tools we have versus giving out grants um, that we never get paid back. This gives out loans, and the United States can take an equity stake, meaning that once we get it up and running, we could sell our interest. And this thing has historically made money for the United States government. Very interesting. And you're going to be uh, making this part of your first show on parlor. Is that correct? Well, when I uh, I'm not going to talk about that on, on my shows. I'm going to talk about with Dave Brad. He's, uh, you know, Ph.D. in economics and talk to him about our national debt. What's the ramification if we don't get this taken care of? Uh, Michelle Bachman is the dean of the school of um, government at Regent University. And uh, my focus with her will be, you know, you were in Congress for eight years. Um, you saw things that worked and didn't work. And how do we make this better? And the whole focus of the program is action oriented, you know, to inform the listeners and then have them go to their representatives, uh, demand or request meetings in their office, take a group of people or at their teletown halls or if they're still doing live town halls and ask these questions. You know, when I went up to D.C., 
we had the debt ceiling uh, debate. And um, uh, John Boehner says, I don't want to hear anybody say you're not going to raise the debt ceiling. We've got to do that. Well, I said, I'm not voting for that. And we got tore up in the press that said, Ted Yoho said, defaulting is good for our government. Well, not raising the debt ceiling doesn't cause a default. And the point is, when I went up there, we're at $12.5 trillion in debt. We have failed to deal with our debt. Today, it was announced we're at $31 trillion in debt. And the question question we need to ask ourselves, if we don't deal with our debt, our debt will deal with us. And the debt will dictate what we have to do instead of us being proactive and saying, these are the programs we need to defund or pare back or change the, the legislation. And we haven't done that. And so, we went from $12.5 trillion in debt when I went into Congress. Now we're at $31 trillion in 10 years. It's more than doubled. Almost, We're looking at almost tripling. Dr. Savage yesterday had an image that he tried to use to, of course, it's difficult for any analogy to work, but he said if you stack the dollar bills of the debt on top of each other, they would reach beyond the moon. Yeah. They would reach beyond the moon. Yeah. How do you pay that back? And um, I think I shared with you on one of the bills I voted down was the funding. It was a, a funding bill um, and a lot of the hurricane relief after the hurricane. My chairman from the Ag Committee, after he knew I was voting no, pleaded with me to vote for this. And I said, sir, I worry about the deficit, $1.2 trillion automatic deficit increase. And I said, what it's going to do to future generations. And he, sh- he kind of nodded and agreed with me. He goes, yeah, I worry about what this is going to do to my grandchildren. I said, sir. We need to worry about what this is going to do to generations of grandchildren. And he hung his head like he knew I was right, walked away. Because he's in leadership. He doesn't want to go against leadership. That's one of the real problems I've learned from conversing with you on these Wednesdays is uh, the burdensome, cumbersome log jam at the committee level so often. Yeah, yeah. Where you, you know, I've been the head of the Senate at the college. So one of the things I, always, I appointed all the committee members. I appointed all the um, chairs and uh, I always tried to make sure that they were uh, objective and that they were, or I fired them. I mean, I, you know, I had that power as a Senate president and I said, listen, you guys have got it. And the reason is I'm going to rely on your committees and what comes out of them to be distilled and clean and pure and trustworthy because I'm going to compile all that and take it to the president. Now, when I go to the president, I don't want to be a fool. That's right. And so the president became very trustworthy of what I brought him because I promised the president, I said, I'm not going to bring you anything that hasn't been put through the ringer fairly, thoroughly and objectively at the committee level. So when I bring you input, uh, you can act on it with confidence. Otherwise, what do we got here? Some kind of uh, uh, game of, 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 of you know, staying in office or something? I was not interested in that. I learned a lot from being a Senate president of the college for four years. That you did. Well, you know, the committee level in Congress, it's kind of a joke. Not all of it, but a lot of it is because you have five minutes to interview a witness or, you know, an expert on a topic, and then it goes away. And you don't really have that debate going back and forth between different opinions, you know, whether it's members of your own party or the opposite party. You just have a five-minute soundbite. And I remember Adam Kinzinger called after he did a, a, a witness and he interviewed it for five minutes, he told his staff, he goes, I want a recording of that. That's a good sound bite. You know, that's what he was worried about was a sound bite, not results, sound bites. And I'm glad to see he's out of Congress. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. We got a question when we take a break. How are people going to be, and they want to do it already. How are they going to be able to listen to your podcast? Um, it'll be, um, the, the, you can just type in God Country Family with Ted Yoho. It's on Parlor Social, and the handle will be gfc.cast. GFC. No, I'm sorry, gfccast.com. C-A-S-T. Okay. You send me that link, and we'll put it up on our site. I'll and we'll do sure that. And we're going to be promoting your show, um, you know, and we'll probably have you on there like you've done with me. Do some. Well, uh, it's all about teamwork. Recruitment here. It's all about teamwork. So we got a nation uh, to save. Yeah, it's all about teamwork. So we're going to have to take a break here at the bottom of the hour, Maria, um, and thank our sponsors and thank our donors. And uh, 
and also give you a little bit of update on the weather as we do at the bottom of the iron. Uh, Ted's going to be hanging around the airport there in a very comfortable setting. It looks as if. Hopefully, I won't miss my plane. Exactly, <laughs> got it all to yourself. Yeah, don't miss that plane now. What time does that thing take off? Let's <laughs> uh, well, start sporting at 11. Okay, good. Yeah, well, you're okay. We'll, we'll, we'll get you out of there before then. <laughs> get my ticket. <laughs> we'll be right back on the Ward Scott Files. Stay tuned. Although the owner of Lewis Oil Company maintains she is 29, Lewis Oil turns 60 years old in June. Chevron would like to recognize the North Florida second-generation family-owned business, celebrating its growth and staying power. Lewis Oil Company maintains significant on-hand supplies, strategically located fuel depots, a delivery fleet, on-site service, fuel card locks, and convenience stores. Lewis Oil Company understands its responsibility in the local economy by providing service and delivery on demand and in crisis. As a first responder for 18 Florida counties and the southeast from Texas to Virginia, we are proud of this rare accomplishment. Lewis Oil delivers. This is Ward Scott, and I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, large enough to serve you, small enough to care. Melvin Law, the only official injury partner of the Florida Gators. The Ward Scott Files Gold sponsors are Lewis Oil Company, Shoot GTR, On the Spot Dry Cleaners, RR Construction, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.wardscottfiles.com, and click on the Advertise Here banner. On the right side of the page, or call my friend Freddie at 352-284-3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Ward Scott Files. And remember, if you like the show, thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. May God have mercy on your soul. Or that very much surprises me that you've never been tased. You can't handle the truth. All bees poop. A warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Now for the weather brought to you by Lewis Oil. Welcome back to Ward Scott Files. Um, Professor Ward Scott here in the Warthog Man Cave in the Piney Woods of North Central Florida. Bringing you the weather brought to us by Lewis Oil, Wendell Lewis, since 1962, Lewis Oil, great sponsor. You know, you may not believe this wherever you are right now, but I am told by my wife, who's never wrong, of course, you got you to gotta know that, um, that the temperature this morning in Gainesville, Florida, was the coldest spot in the country. It was 47 degrees here this morning when we rousted out of the sleepy eye um, um, morning air and it's warming up quickly but we've got our nippy little uh, and I like it I very much enjoy it and we're out mowing right now to try to combat uh, and get ready for our whole autumn experience with our livestock and uh, making sure they've got the right pastures and we can rotate them and all that kind of business meanwhile Florida really is facing a grim reality this is the deadliest storm it's turning out to be in the state since 1935. Now, there are some old timers who knew some old timers who knew the storm that came across Lake Okeechobee uh, in the old days. Um, I wasn't around for that, but everybody says it was really deadly. And of course, that was before the days of our sophisticated broadcasting experiences and forecasting experiences. Pine Island uh, as it has been left with total destruction, uh, Ian. And uh, now we have the ghost of Ian, which brought record rainfall to Philly and Jersey. 
um, that's all part of it. And it's uh, not been um, any less burdensome on those people in terms of the hit they're getting, although it's not as severe as ours, of course. Um, Puerto Rico has been hit again. And um, that's uh, also not to mention Cuba, which went without the power for so long. Meanwhile, we have another tropical depression forming over the Atlantic Ocean. So in the last week or so, the coastal storms have brought dreary days really all along the beaches on both sides of Florida and all the way up into New York. And the first storm that came a little bit before this went all the way into Nova Scotia. So we've got more coming. We're not out of the hurricane season yet. So that really is Basically, the story, as you know, coming out of Florida, we are beginning, unfortunately, to find that people drown and we didn't know it. We won't know it till we get in there with our search dogs and our teams and discover what all uh, is uh, left behind by the ravages of the wind and the rain. As I mentioned to you a long time ago, and I mentioned to you again, James Dickey, who was a very good friend of mine who wrote uh, of course, deliverance and was the poet laureate of the United States. Um, he was here as a writer and poet in residence at the University of Florida years ago in the 70s, right after deliverance, the movie had come out. And uh, incidentally, he's the sheriff in that movie. And we were riding around one day and out of, he was given to asking these type of questions, uh, which was always made him interesting. He said, Ward, what do you think is the most frightening natural disaster? Well, nobody had ever asked me that question. Uh, and, you know, I searched quickly for an answer. And I don't know what I came up with, fire or something. And, of course, he didn't say, no, you're wrong. He just said, well, for me, it's rising water. And I have really come to believe that Jim Dickey had it correct. You know, an earthquake goes away. A fire can be put out. Um, tornadoes even go away. But when you have rising water that never, ever stops and you don't know when it's going to stop and it's rising more quickly than you ever thought it could rise, which is what happened to many in the Fort Myer area, then you have probably the most severe of all natural disasters. And of course, in our case in Florida, we have saltwater intrusion into freshwater wells and the aquifer is very close to the surface of the state and the bottom of the state higher up here, where, or deeper up here where we are in the so-called higher part of the state. So that's uh, something you learn as you get older. And uh, you, you just sort of uh, put together this collage of things that people have told you who are older than you and who have thought about things before you thought about them. But I think rising water is probably the right answer. It's certainly biblical. It is certainly all over the creation stories of the flood and uh, we really have uh, firm roots for that in the natural world, and we just experienced it. So uh, that's my really treatment of the weather today is um, I always try to be a little more creative and a little unusual uh, than the regular weather reports, which you can see just about anywhere on all the newscasts. And they're not always right, by the way. So um, that's the way it goes, and hopefully we won't have another one come this way but we are at the mercy of nature. Ted, uh, thanks for putting up with my discussion there about the weather. Um, you know, we were, uh, we were uh, glad you were out of the danger zone here. I don't know what happened over in your country in Palatka along the rivers. Do you have any uh, conversation with Putnam County about things going on? Yeah, um, I live in Sportsman Harbor, which is in Wilaka, right on the river, and there's a tremendous amount of flooding. Um, in people's houses. We have a standalone apartment that had about four inches of flooding in that, um, but we're in good shape. I mean, that's one of the hazards you have that you take the risk of living on the river, and we know it's there, and, you know, it's one of those things we self-insure that, and, uh, you know, it's just the risk that we're willing to take, uh, but there's still a lot of people without uh, plumbing down there. They've got water, you know, fresh water, but they can't use their um, their sewer system because it's underwater. You know, we're in an area where it's a little bit higher, so it hadn't affected us that bad. But there's a lot of people, and they said it's going to crest more of the river because that water down south is coming. It flows north on the St. Johns River. Uh, a lot of people don't know that, so I think it's one of five rivers that flows north um, in the world. 
and uh, they're expecting a little bit more. And then we've had a nor'easter on top of that that's keeping water from exiting out at, uh, up in Jacksonville at the inlet. Well, it's certainly uh, strange um, that it affected both sides of the state yeah. in the way it worked. It got the counterclockwise motion and got St. Augustine in that area. And, of course, it did what it did on the western side down around the Tampa area. Yeah, we're fortunate compared to those people down there. I mean, we're real fortunate. Got a question for you, if you don't mind segueing into this. There's sure. uh, your comments if you're – I don't want to put you on the spot or anything, but I was reading in uh, – oh, you don't mind that. That's why. That's what you get that. Hey, that's if you can't stand the heat, get out of the kitchen, right? That's the I thing. told everybody, I said, you can ask me anything you want. You're not going to offend me or hurt my feelings. Yeah, you might not be able to answer it, but you can answer anything. Right? Or you may not like the answer, my opinion. Well, I ran across this in a couple of the publications and covering the Senate races that are pivotal. And, you know, this all this conversation about can we take back this and take back that. I thought I, there's 10 that I had seen uh, several times published that are critical, probably locally the one that is most in the news for us is the Georgia race between right. Warnock and Walker. And it involves the heavyweights of both parties coming in and trying to uh, give a boost. It's sort of like uh, what we see on goal line stands in football. Right. Everybody gets behind the running back and pushes him, and they push the running back across the goal line. That's, and then on the other side, everybody gets behind the nose guard, and they push back. And So that's kind of what we've got going on. And it is very, very decisive, would you not say, how Georgia goes. And you got any thoughts about it, or have you uh, got any comments about that? <clears throat> yeah, I do. And I hope, you know, programs like yours get the message out. You know, what are we fighting for? Are we fighting for a party? Because parties, their goal is to win an election. We need to fight for the nation. What person is going to have the values that we want? You know, are, are they flawed candidates? Uh, I think both of them are. I know I was when I ran, you know, because I'm a human. And you got to look at who's going to do best for the country. And then that lines up with what are your beliefs that is best for the country? You know, um, there was a saying that you and I agree in absolute truth. I think we can agree on that. But what that absolute truth is, is where we differ. And so if you look at politics, the Democrats going to say, well, this is what we think is best for the country. And the Republicans are going to say this. But it ought to be based on the constitutional principles that this country is founded on and those ideologies. If that candidate aligns with those, the voters of that area should be the one that decide that not all this outside money. There's just too much money from around the country, if not around the globe, that's getting funneled through people that influence these uh, elections. And then add on top of that, the, um, the the tech world with their censoring and squashing um you know, information or putting out false information. And that complicates the issue, too, or supporting... Oh, tremendously. And excuse one, elections. Uh, you know, or, or supporting one narrative only. You know, there's some other races, too. Uh, um, there's a Republican, Toomey, retiring in Pennsylvania. Did you ever meet that gentleman, know him? Oh, much? yeah, yeah, sure. And what are we um, losing there, and can we replace that? He was kind of a moderate. Um, he wasn't as strong conservative like uh, Mike Lee or Ted Cruz or uh, Rand Paul. You know, Rand's in a category by himself. He's libertarian, uh, which is fine. But sometimes they get a little, um, a little skewed to one side. Of course, he'd say the same thing about me. But with Oz, you know, he's somebody that he's going to be a conservative voice. Um, let's just hope he doesn't turn out to be a Romney. We have a viewer here, a great fan, lives in Marietta, Vietnam airborne vet, by the way, airborne medic vet, great buddy, um, says the Democrats are spending $30 million in TV ads against Walker in Georgia. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Amazing. Just amazing. Amazing. You know, you know I got. Yeah. let me do a little aside here. Um, when I was at the ambassador's dinner, he said that the Vietnamese view Americans with about 98% approval rating. I said, well, hell, that's higher than the Democratic Party views America. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. Good, good thing the press wasn't around, right? <laughs> yeah, he laughed. He thought that was pretty funny. 
<laughs> you know, what about this guy Put, uh, Portman uh, retiring in Ohio? Putman or Portman? Portman. If you can meet that gentleman. He was a Republican. Sure. Yeah, he's a nice guy. Uh, he, he's he took a strong stance on several things, um, but I think it's good that they're getting new blood in there. You know, I think they need to rotate that stuff, and that's why I was such an advocate for term limits and and stuck to that because I think you know you, I was there for eight years. There's a, a whole new group of people coming up that may think a little different than than I do. I'm sure most of them did, um, but those are the ones that need to carry the baton to the next. Um, uh, hurdle. I read somewhere where one of the younger candidates said he was wanted the older generation to sort of move along that they didn't power too long. And I think he was thinking it, but Biden, uh, who's been in power forever, one form or another. And it's in, you know, all those relationships get established in the deep state uh, for which we may be censored for saying that word. But uh, <laughs> I, I hear that a lot. But that younger generation, if things go south, they don't know how to dial a phone. That's true. <laughs> a rotary phone. That is true. I don't know the world without the internet. Not a change of light bulb. <laughs> and that is so strange about that. them having been born into the world. The internet was already here. Uh, that that's uh, that's quite something. Probably in Florida, Rubio's okay. I sure hope so because I serve with Val Demings, and that is an angry. And I'll say it: she's a racist woman. I mean, she is so hung up in the critical race theory, Black Lives Matter. You know, um, the white uh, patriarchy is what's wrong with it. And she follows Maxine Waters. She follows AOC, and she she just when she talks, she's angry. And um, you know, I can say that I serve with her, and I don't need to make any apologies for that. Well, that's uh, kind of what uh, I'm getting as a profile on her. Uh, there's another state, and I, I think we had a great guy from it, and that was our good friend from North Carolina um, who was chief of staff for Trump. Mark Meadows. I really liked him. I met him a couple times. I think yeah, I met him with you. Yeah, I met him with you, I think. Yeah. yeah. But they got a guy named Burr retiring. Is there somebody there to? Yeah. Whether, yeah. Ted Budd. Uh, Ted Budd, he's a member of the Freedom Caucus. He's a gun shop owner. Um, he's very, very conservative. Uh, and uh, he's leading the race from what I hear. So I think he'll do good and it'll be a good replacement. Do you think these add up enough to take the Senate? That's the whole skeptical. You know what? If I was any good at predicting, I'd be out in Las Vegas. I thought Rom- Romney and Ryan were going to win the presidency. Or McCain you know, Romney, should, Romney should have, but you know he buckled on that thing when they planted the spy in there, and then clipped out to forty-seven. That's just common politics. You don't spend money on people whose minds you can't change, and he should well, have come out and confronted that. And then they said, "Well, you know, you're a wealthy guy. You can't relate to people." And he should have said, "You know what? I have made a lot of money. I started with nothing. I made a lot of money, and I can show you how to do it. And that's what the American Dream's about." to get to the level that you want He really kind of think, in my humble opinion, blew it. Uh, sure, people, he did. People had already gotten on to Obama, figured him in, yeah. had figured him out, and realized that he wasn't pro-America. And But Romney was just, well, even we, now it's, it's, it's become more evident, you know, kind of a, uh, unsure of himself, I guess, and what he stands for. I don't know what how else to say it. Yeah, no, he uh, very, very um, liberal, I think. He did a great job with the Olympics, I think. One of the things that he did, organize once upon a time, the Olympics. Um, Clint so, Eastwood said in a movie, man's got to know his limitations, and I think he should have stuck with that. That's true. That's, 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 a, that's very interesting. In fact, you're going to make me switch over to a very interesting article about poker and who wins in poker. It was in the journal. And I forwarded it over to a couple of my poker players who are practically professionals. And the whole key is knowing when to quit when you don't have the hand to win. And the flaw in most poker players is that they just plow on thinking they've somehow going to use that hand and win. And the smart ones quit more than they stay in. I think Kenny Rogers wrote a song about that. Yeah, you got to know them when I'll fold them. I mean, but. You know, and I, I really enjoyed Kenny Rogers, by the way. And by the way, I got to take my hat off for Loretta Lynn. Um, I don't know if you uh, were a Loretta, Loretta Lynn fan, but sure. uh, I met her. She came to the University of Florida one time and 
somebody said, would you like to meet Loretta Lynn in uh, backstage after the show? And I went back and there was her husband, Mooney and Loretta Lynn. It's been back in the seventies, I guess. And we talked for quite a while and, and um, just a regular person and, uh, you know, common and uh, lady who just had a tremendous talent. And, and uh, it was, it was just one of those rare moments I've never forgotten um, about Loretta Lynn. So she lived to be 90 and long, fruitful life. So there's much to be said for that. Is there anybody else you see in, uh, what do you think is, I don't want, as I say, I'm putting you kind of on the spot or we're all on the spot sort of trying to, we're just sort of conjecturing here, but is Congress going to room? We're going to tip the scales there Republican way. They, they should. I mean, all the indicators are that way. The scary thing is who's going to lead them? Who's going to be the speaker? There you go. Epic, epic you go. Times, if they do get the majority, Epic Times has a great article. I think it was a day or two ago about Kevin McCarthy. And is he fit to lead? And I would encourage people to read that article because Kevin went from college. He won a lottery ticket, had a sub shop for a couple of years, sold it, tried to work with his representative, couldn't get a job, wound up volunteering for free. Finally became their district director, ran for the state Senate, for the state representative, moved up to Washington uh, after his representative retired, took that seat. And he has never done anything outside of politics other than a stint with a winning lottery ticket and a lot, uh, sub shop for two years. But the interesting thing in that said he's never chaired a committee. He's never passed any significant legislation. All his, all he has focused on is moving up in leadership and he's done great at raising money. But, you know, I think we need to take our eyes off the money and get the representatives back in their district, knowing their district. And if the people know their representatives, they're going to have the faith in them. Well, you're getting ready to go around some leaders here where you're headed out of here. Um, yeah, Gingrich, um, I think, really was an influential, powerful person in the Congress world, don't you believe? Newt Gingrich, do you think that he got was effective? Yeah, I mean, if you read his book, Contract with America, he had that 100-point contract. But the difference between that and the 100 points... Uh, Kevin's are more like a hundred suggestions. And, uh, you. you know, if you look at the 10 commandments, they're commandments, not suggestions. And Gingrich, <laughs> Gingrich had the, the everything in motion to pass these bills and to accomplish what he did. And it's a fascinating book because he not only espoused what he wanted to do and articulated that he implemented that Kevin is more of a wish list. And, um, I don't think I'll be surprised if he can implement it. And really, at this point in our country's uh, history, I don't think we need to have 100 good ideas. I think we need to focus on five or seven, you know, border security, get our debt under control, you know, uh, you know, work on those things uh, to ward off China, protect our national security through IT and things like that, and, and focus on some of these things that are really important instead of a 100-point uh, wish list. You know, we have a situation that's not much talking about, and that is that Saudi Arabia is getting ready to uh, kind of tone the pumps down and quit pumping right. with oil. And uh, um, that's going to be painted to pump again. DeSantis, bless his heart, has forgiven the taxes, which amount almost to a quarter a gallon, I think, Ted. Right. In the state of Florida. Wow. Wow. That's going to help out over the, over the storm and the hump and all that. It's going to help out, but that's not the way to do that. We have a Department of Energy that was tasked to create energy security for this nation. We had it under Trump first time ever since uh, Carter started that agency. And we should go back to those policies. But more importantly, when those policies are put in place, it should be a bipartisan, almost like a treaty that we both agree in both houses the House and the Senate, and that it can't be changed by an administration on a whim, you know, to go green or whatever they want to do, that it should be voted on by Congress, because that brings stability to the marketplace as far as price of oil. It brings stability to the um, to the supply. And then we begin uh, utilizing that instead of those policies changing with each administration, because it just there's no certainty. And if there's no certainty, there's no investment and things like that. 
Well, it's troublesome because um, there's no truth either. I put that in on top of our conversation. Um, right. You know, we, it's ironic we have this truth in lending, uh, <laughs> except for the government. We don't have any truth in lending for the government. <laughs> or laptops. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Everybody else had to have a credit reference before he could borrow, uh, but not the government. The government right. just borrows from future generations. and, and no, uh, Yeah, you're right. From, but they just print. Which borrow future generations. You know, it's one of the fundamental principles that everybody has to live according to, except the government. Right. And, you know, that those kind of common sense conversations are the ones we need a leader to say so that people can understand it. You know, uh, imagine a president saying that from the White House on a dress to the country. Hey, we're going to start living according to the same standards we're having you live to. When you apply yeah, right. for a loan, we check your credit reference. So you check our credit reference, and if we don't pass it, we don't loan the money. <laughs> well, that's one of the other things that should be in the points that Kevin McCarthy, if he's the speaker, what are we going to do to secure our money supply, you know, to make it worth what it is? Because every time they print money, it devalues the dollar, and it weakens it around the world. And the only thing saving it right now is everybody else's economy is so bad. Um, and that's... Those, there, there's about five or six things that this Congress should focus on. And um, if they did that, I'd feel a lot I'd feel a lot better about the direction of this nation. Well, that's a great way to kind of conclude here. Um, focusing on the money supply, would you add focusing on the border? Would you add that to something Congress should be doing? Um, I'm just throwing things out there because you said five or six sure. things. I'm trying to imagine what they would be. Yeah, definitely the border, um, the money supply, the national security side. When you look at what China is doing in Russia, you know, China's outpaced us um, on uh, military armaments. They've advanced their hypersonic weapons beyond ours. And, you know, they're gearing up. To, uh, I mean, Tucker Carlson did something the other night on the prelude to World War Three, And I wrote an article that was in the Washington, uh, Washington Times. And the title is Prelude to World War III. If you don't have it, I can send it to you. It'll be on our website on uh, God, Country, and Family. Please send it to me, and I'll, I'll, I'll uh, put a link up for it. Um, yeah, I would say that there's no... It's not... Well, Clinton said, well, we can take as many immigrants this country. That's not the point. The point is what type of immigrant are we taking? Don't we have to have a, a policy that's fair to the ones who become naturalized the right way uh, then, then rather than let these others in and then back naturalize them, if you will, without them going through any kind of process the right way. Well, people. we have those policies in place. And I would, I would refer you and your, your listeners, if you haven't read it, to Theodore Roosevelt's speech in 1907. Basically, it says we have one flag, honor it one language, English, learn it, and you're either 100% American or not at all. You know, you, you can't be half. Um, you can bring your culture, just like the Irish Americans, Italian Americans, German Americans, but you can't be a separate dichotomy in America. And this is the thing with the Muslims coming in. If they assimilate, that's fine, but you can't have Sharia law and U.S. constitutional law. They're antithetical to each other. Been talking with Ted Yoho, who is on his way to uh, yet another important activity that uh, we hopefully will be sharing with you next Wednesday in some uh, form or fashion. We'll be putting up some links to what he's doing and writing uh, and be watching how he develops on parlor and pulling for parlor, of course. And I want to close out by giving you once again a summation. If you just tuned in after I made the comments, we have been banned from YouTube for being a uh, uh, a violator of their community standards. You're a bad man, Lord Scott. <laughs> yeah, a band is for violating the community standards, which are basically questioning the acceptable narrative of the election. Uh, and they could do it by going back over a year and picking out shows and then holding them as strikes against us, for which we have no way of correcting or addressing. So we've gone to Rumble. Uh, it's going to do everything for us that YouTube was doing. We recommend that you go to rumble.com and uh, in the search box, put in the Word Scott files. We also recommend that you uh, download the app Rumble and that you join and subscribe to the show. That gives us more uh, pop-up ability, if you will, when it's searched. 
and eventually we'll build uh, our, our, our library there as well. Uh, I'm learning the hard way, I suppose, that you cannot have too many people who have your back. Um, it's just the way it is right now. You've got to have people who have your back. And because there are people out there who don't want uh, to have any opinion but theirs. And uh, that seems counter-American to me in a very fundamental way. You know what you ought to do is send um, YouTube a memo and saying that they don't meet your standards, so therefore you're going to cancel them. <laughs> I would if I know to whom to send it. <laughs> I think it just goes into a, a computer somewhere. I don't know if a human being ever sees it. But, uh, Ted, thanks for stopping by and being a man of your That's word. It. I swear, That's no matter where you are, you, you live up to it. That's Ted Yoho. He's in Charlotte, and uh, he's going to be moving along at 11 o'clock. We don't want to detain him. He has to be there a half an hour. So thanks very much for production and helping us out. Take care. Okay, buddy. And we'll catch you tomorrow on the Ward Scott Files. Ward Hall Command Center out.